0: Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. All right, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? We got another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. And in addition to another episode, we got another guest on the podcast that I'm extremely excited to have on because it's another Latina entrepreneur. Um, It's just going to be a phenomenal episode. She has a phenomenal story that we're going to get into. A little bit about my guest, she is the owner of Wealth Para Todos, um, and it's a platform that she's created. And We'll get into everything that she's doing over there. Uh, Some of the things that she's done uh, within a 19-month time frame, she's knocked out $23,000 in student loan debt, um, saved a six month emergency fund, created an early retirement plan. And there's some other things that she accomplished as well. And now she's teaching everybody uh, what she's learned through this process to the community. So very impactful stuff. Um, I love highlighting individuals like this to share their stories. um, just, Just because there's other people that are going through this as well, and they need to find. A light at the tunnel or they need some representation on how they can get out of their situation so this is why i had to have soledad fernandez paulino on the podcast how are you doing today
1: i'm doing so good and i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure everyone knows my entire name i'm rita fernandez okay
0: yeah yeah okay do but that. i go by
1: soledad and people even call me sol so okay. <laughs> i go even okay. shorter but i always like to rep the entire name
0: Cool. Absolutely. We appreciate that. Um, How's your day going?
1: My day is going great. I'm so excited to talk to you all and to have access to your listeners and let Mm -hmm. them know about, you know, building wealth, Poco a Poco
0: yeah absolutely and uh thank you once again for jumping on the podcast we really appreciate it and on this podcast how we like to get started is we like to get started with your background and your journey to getting to where you're at and really you growing up and your story and whatnot we want you to to highlight your story
1: yeah so i am the child of mexican immigrants My parents divorced when I was five. I grew up in Los Angeles in a neighborhood that at the time had a lot of gun violence, gang Mm -hmm. violence, poverty. People were struggling. People were struggling financially. Mm -hmm. I was blessed to have a mother who was a teacher, and that Mm -hmm. provided a certain level of stability for us. But nevertheless, there was a lot of trauma in our neighborhood. You know, it was common for us Um, in L.A., Specifically, right by Dodger Stadium, it's Echo Park. Mm -hmm. It's going through gentrification now. Now it's a completely different neighborhood. Um, But at the time, at the time, I mean, I grew up playing outside and knowing that if cars slowed down, that means we needed a drop to the floor because someone was going to start shooting. Mm -hmm. And I attended a high school that had a fifty-four percent dropout rate, and a lot of people got into got into drugs when they were Mm -hmm. younger. They got pregnant at a young age. There was Mm -hmm. just a lot of struggle. There was Mm -hmm. a lot of struggle in my neighborhood. And that impacted what I thought someone with my background was capable of doing. Mm -hmm. I went to college. And so I graduated from this high school that had such a low graduation rate. I did get into college. I was a full scholarship kid. And yet I was so used to showing up to places, not feeling like I could be my whole self. I felt like mm. I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't fit in. Even if I was in places with with other Latinos, I was like, well, you know, I'm queer. I don't know if mm. that's something that's going to be accepted. Mm. I didn't, you know, I was raised by a single mom. So I didn't have that experience of like having two parents in the household. Yeah. I also had struggle like economic struggle. And so there was a lot of times that I just felt like I had to compartmentalize a lot of my life. And I, mm. I just spent a lot of my life compartmentalizing, only revealing certain parts of myself that I thought would be accepted by whoever I was around.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, that's that's a crazy, you know, start to your story. Um, it's funny because my parents—they're from LA as well. They're from Inglewood, and you know, they were young when they had me, so they were kids themselves, and the relationship thing was in and out. But the same thing that you're speaking about—the violence, the the drugs, and whatnot the environment, you know, my mom seen that and at a young age, she just, I think I was like three or four, she just uprooted us and was like, yo, we gotta get out of this environment because I don't want my my son to be raised over here. So um yeah, I can I can definitely agree with you. I got family back in LA. So I know I know how it is or and how it was as well for sure.
1: Yeah. And all of that, you know, it impacted me. It impacted me because I felt like even when I went to college, I felt like I didn't really belong. Mm-hmm. I I went, you know, I got my bachelor's, I got my master's, and I just mm-hmm. felt like, you know what? I'll just be a really good student, but I was also working full time while going to school, and mm-hmm. that was something that I think impacted how I networked with other people mm-hmm. and the, the the information I had access to, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like we only know better until we're exposed to better, And okay. if you don't believe that you belong in certain spaces, then it can get really uncomfortable. Being in spaces where you could actually get access to information yeah. that can change your life, right? Yeah, sure. And so for me, while I was in college, I went to NYU. Again, mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of access to certain opportunities, but I was working full time. I, I felt more comfortable working than I did often being in my classes or attending certain events that probably would have propelled my financial journey.
0: So you went to NYU, that's New York um how talk to us about that transition in your life coming from la where you gotta you know what i'm saying if you hear if you see a car coming by you gotta lay on the ground now you're in new york city which is a, a totally different world compared to la talk to us about that experience and what, what did you learn you know what i'm saying from that change
1: yeah well for me i you know straight out of High school, I got accepted full scholarship to a small liberal arts school. And while I was there, I dealt with discrimination. Discrimination because I was the only Latina, the only female, the only person of color um, mm-hmm. as a math major at that time
0: mm-hmm. in
1: my in my year. And so I was in a small liberal arts school and I just thought, like, if I'm gonna deal with this bullshit, I might as well deal with this bullshit at a university that has a name. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out of that school. Went to community college, got into a car accident, dropped out of community college. I was helping my mom financially at that time. And then I just realized if I'm really going to finish school, I need to get away from, mm. from my family, from the neighborhood, from like, if I'm really going to be able to focus, I just need to get away.
0: Yeah. And, Do you feel and like my it was youth- a distraction or?
1: Yeah, there was yeah. a distraction. I think part of it is that I hadn't learned how to deal with trauma at that mm. point in my life what i knew was to dissociate i knew to run that was accessible to me and Mm -hmm. so there was trauma that i had experienced in my neighborhood and yeah it distracted me i know now i know that i am somebody who managed who deals with ptsd back then i didn't know that you know Mm -hmm. i didn't have that information to me and so i left went to nyu and i did what i knew how like what to do best with my trauma, which was just like zone in, focus in on school and work, keep myself busy. And I think a lot of people in marginalized communities, black indigenous people of color, women, LGBTQ plus who have not had access to therapy or a space where it's okay to discuss your emotions, working is a way that we survive. It's literally the dissociation that we need from our own feelings, from our own body so that we can focus on surviving, you know, yeah. and, and other things. And yeah. that's, that's what I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Because at the beginning of this year, I started going to therapy myself. And a lot of people, there's a stigma behind therapy, like if you're going so much, something's wrong with you. And I'm like, no, nah, it's just, I want to figure out ways to improve. And I know there's things like you said, some traumas that we went through that as growing up, we feel like it's just normal. just things that we experience just laying on the ground when a drive by comes by. That's normal. That's that's not normal. Right. We got to dig those things up and figure out like how to address those and, uh, you know, recover, not recover, but like um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, figure out ways to come back from that, I guess, um, and learn from it and move on, right? Um, but again, a lot of those traumas that we went through when we we're young, uh, we just feel like it was just normal things, but they're really not. They're, they're traumas.
1: Exactly. And it's why when I talk about dinero, I always like to talk about the systemic barriers that impact people's financial security, right? Mm-hmm. Because if my mom, who was a single mom at the time, had more affordable childcare, or if she was going to have access to affordable housing, then maybe she would have left the neighborhood, right? If there were certain systems in place that helped the overcrowdedness that that existed in my high school, right? If there was more chairs, like literally Mm -hmm. in my high school, not every student had a chair to sit in because there was more students than there were were desks, right? Those are systemic issues that impact people's ability to go to school, to sure. then access, you know, a higher education, and then now I think about, you know, the cost of the cost of a higher education, right? Who has access to, to access to that? Who has access to repaying student loans? And then also just the the safety, right? If we're going to mm-hmm. grow, if we're going to evolve as people, we always need to have a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And trauma will make you feel unsafe. And for sure, there's things that systemically can be done to make people feel safer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So I want to fast forward a little bit to 2019. Uh, By this time, you, you have a family, you got two young kids. And unfortunately, during this time, you got sick, right? And I'll let you tell the whole story. But it was this moment where you started to pick up a financial literacy book. You picked up Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Talk to us, what made you even pick that book up? Uh, what were you learning through this process and like what, what was your headspace at, right? You you mentioned that um, you know, your kids couldn't really hug you because you were physically um kind of suffering and hurting and whatnot. So what made you like put your mind to pick up this book? And where where did yeah. the book come from? Was it just laying in your house or yeah.
1: So I I got sick that I had so much inflammation in my body. Now again, I can say that I had PTSD and the stress of avoiding all of those Mm. emotions, all those memories started to impact me on a physical level. But I didn't know that and doctors didn't know that either. And so I ended up getting inflammation throughout my body, my lungs specifically, which impacted my ability to breathe, which kept me on bed rest. And because of the inflammation in my body, my kids couldn't hug me and I couldn't pick up my kids. I couldn't walk to the restroom without (laughs) like that whole thing. Mm. And it took six months. For the inflammation to come down and and yeah to to decrease right and during that time I'm on bed rest and I'm struggling big time because my entire life I have been working you know having multiple jobs work was always my way to dissociate from memories from the memories and the trauma that I had experienced in my life and now I'm stuck in bed and that's it. That's all, Mm -hmm. that's all I'm supposed to. So I think there was a part of me that was like, I can't, like, I need, Mm -hmm. I need something to distract Mm -hmm. me. And I have a cousin and he's a Republican and Mm -hmm. he had learned about Dave Ramsey from church. Mm -hmm. And so he told me, oh, you know, like, why don't you read this book? I was also had expressed to him at the time, like, hey, my medical bills are coming and my disability checks haven't arrived yet. And he's like, well, you need a, you need a budget. And I didn't know what a budget was. No one had ever taught me what a budget was. And I was like, how did you learn? And he said, oh, I learned about budgeting from this book, Dave mm-hmm. Ramsey. And I picked up the book and I read it. And it, Dave Ramsey is somebody who talks dinero and has mm-hmm. helped a lot of people with his information. And I think for me, it really triggered a part of me because of the shame. He uses mm. a lot of shame like mm. you should you know you shouldn't step into a restaurant until you have paid off all of your debt and that, and that shameful voice was something that was very familiar to me you know i'm mm. i'm a daughter of a mexican mother like sure. the way that c- my family you know controls you is by shaming you the biggest the biggest insult is to be called a sinvergüenza, to be somebody who doesn't have shame so i think i read that book and that voice really did like, it triggered me. It triggered me in, in, in the sense of, I was like, oh, I gotta take action. I'm like I'm I am a Sibirwanza. I mm-hmm. How embarrassing that I am 32 years old, have a degree and I don't know, I'm still in debt. And I don't know how to budget and I don't have a plan for retirement. And so I read that personal finance book and then I started reading all these other personal finance mm-hmm. books. And unfortunately, none of them really acknowledge all the systemic factors that impact people's financial insecurity until I read this one book by Ashley Feinstein. And it was the first personal finance book that I read that had got in. There was no shaming at all. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, you know what? These are routines. These are habits that you can use to develop your financial security. And you don't need to shame yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't need to feel embarrassed. It's mm-hmm. okay, and that level of cariño and love. Just I realized, oh, it's one thing to get out of debt, and I was able to pay off my student loans. It was like twenty three thousand. My husband and I was together, what was remaining after ten years of payments, I was able to pay that off in four months. But wow. the next challenge was to build a six month emergency fund, and that was going to involve thirty thousand dollars for my family. And mm-hmm. I thought, there's no way, like. I can't shame and deprive myself into saving $30,000. That's gonna take mm. so long. I can't not go without getting my nails done or not getting yeah. my hair done. And I can't do that and, and build it. So I needed to learn a new way. And mm. for me, it was radical self-love and mm. acceptance and cariño and, and mm. patience. That's why I always yeah. say like poco a poco todo con tiempo because yeah. I chose to be patient so that I could enjoy my journey to building wealth.
0: Yeah. And something else that you bring up in a lot of the conversations you have with people is this word sustainable, creating a sustainable lifestyle. And you're kind of speaking on it right now. And I would love for you to talk more about this word sustainable, Um, you know, doing enough that makes sense for you guys without making these huge, crazy sacrifices that just don't make sense for you guys. And um, you know, why is it really important to build a sustainable lifestyle? Why is it also important to be clear on the life that you want to live?
1: Right. So I think this becomes especially important if you're trying to retire early, right? If you're Mm -hmm. trying to build wealth, you want to get to this point where you have enough money in your investment accounts that you can work because you want to, not because you have to. In order to get to that point, we're looking like minimum, most people are going to need to work 10 years. And that's if they're investing a lot of money. It's one thing to do something for a little bit, but 10 years of your life, do you really want to spend 10 years like sacrificing all this stuff? Like, I mean, I know people do it, but it's just like you have to enjoy your journey. You have to
0: protect your joy. Yeah, not to, I, not to cut you off. So when you say to work the 10 years, are you, are you talking about like not going to the nail salon for 10 years, not getting a haircut for 10 years? Is that what you're meaning?
1: Well, I, it depends, right? It depends yeah. on the budget that people set up and how much they decide to save mm-hmm. and invest in a monthly on a monthly basis, right? right? So for me, the way I paid off my debt was because I got rid of a lot of things. I got rid, of, mm. and plus, I was on bed rest, right? I was sick, so it's not like I could go out. I wasn't yeah. able to go out to restaurants. I wasn't able to, you know, throw parties and have people come over yeah. to my house. That wasn't accessible to me at that time. So that's how I was able to pay off all that debt in such a little bit of time. I just mm. let go of a lot of things and set all my money to debt. I wasn't gonna live the, my my rest of my yeah. life like that, right? Like I didn't want to live the rest of my life like that. And so I had to figure out how to increase my income so that I can send more towards investments and savings. But that takes time, right? It's like you just come up with a business idea right away and all of a sudden, you know, you have people who want to buy from you. Mm
0: -hmm. That
1: takes time. Or even if you're choosing to change your job, it takes time to apply to a new job. It takes time to get a promotion. Mm. And so I knew, yes, I was going to increase my income, but decreasing my expenses and doing that, like I needed to make it sustainable. I needed mm. because deprivation isn't sustainable. For sure. So, so I knew like, okay, what is the life that I want to live? What what does bring me joy? How do we make something sustainable? We We decide, okay, what is it that really matters? What I realized for myself is actually I wasn't someone who needed to get my nails done all the time. Mm. That was just something that I thought I needed to do. Mm -hmm. However, I also knew that I do like eating out. So I needed to create a line item in my budget for eating out because I'm not going to be someone who's only eating at home. I need to make it sustainable for myself. I needed to also create a loved one emergency fund because if my family came and needed uh, my family, loved one, anyone needed money, I knew That I would want to help them out. That was just part of my values. So, when you start to think about how to create a sustainable budget, you need to think what are your values? What are the the top three things that you know no matter what, it's important to you? And you're always going to find the money to spend on it, anyways. For me, eating out, helping my family. And I was saying now, just like having a very clean, home that's really important to me so that Mm -hmm. means that my budget is always going to include you know paying a certain amount of money for rent so that i have a certain living condition that means i'm going to have a certain amount of money so that i can eat out at the frequency that i like on a weekly basis and Mm -hmm. that i have a loved one emergency fund for people who are listening you have to decide what are the things that are most important to you and you build around that and then you start to decide what is isn't. what isn't so important to me what Mm -hmm. am i just spending on because maybe my family tells me i need to spend money on that my friends tell me that it's a good idea to spend on that decide for yourself because then it's not going to feel like a sacrifice it's not going to feel like mm-hmm. deprivation
0: no that's that's phenomenal i love what you said about like what are your values right you value your money um i mean i'm sorry you value your family right you value your family you want to help them out if they're ever in need you know uh, your kids and whatnot going out to eat those type of things those are things that you value so i definitely love that point um but getting to that that's that area where you're looking to save money, cut debt, invest and things of that nature, you was the one that read the book. I'm not sure if your husband necessarily read it, but talk to us about getting your partner on board with investing. Cause I know for some people it can be an easy conversation, some people will do it, but for others, you know, you get into it and there could be some difficulties, right? Like some people for are sure. used used to traveling or buying things and now we're cutting back right so talk to us about the conversation that you guys have and what would you recommend to couples of out there that are dealing with like hey we're trying to get on the same page and it's we need some help
1: the first thing is you have to improve your communication i mean i I can tell you how i did it i made a lot Mm -hmm. of mistakes i made Mm -hmm. a lot of mistakes i i signed on to my husband's like website for his 401k and set it up so he could max it out. Like, mm. don't do that. Yeah,
0: he, <laughs> don't. He's like, "What is going on with money?" Yeah, going?
1: and then all of a sudden his paycheck is a lot lower. He was not happy. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. He was. My husband was really nervous about investing. He didn't like the idea of investing in a 401k. Mm. He wanted. He wanted his money in his hands, and this idea that you know you invest more and eventually it's going to grow. He had like, he had no money invested Mm. at all. I at least had some money invested when I was, from when I was 23 years old in my employer retirement account in a 403B. Mm. So first of all, don't do that. You know, you want to engage in communication. And I think for all couples, part of what you have to be able to do is engage in reflective listening, which means Mm -hmm. that you need to say statements like, I feel that retiring early is possible for us. I feel excited about the idea of living debt free.
0: Where do you because,
1: learn that? From? Uh I learned about reflective listening and marriage therapy.
0: Wow, I I need to look into that. That's that's dope. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's oh yeah. Right like there. you can google reflective listening in terms of like communication but when I mean obviously the I, I realized that I needed to go to marriage therapy because as we were building wealth, I also realized like, oh, a lot of things are coming up, right? Like mm-hmm. you start to notice all these insecurities that you have, yeah. the traumas that you've witnessed, the things that you're fearful of. And so though I was working in individual therapy, part of my wealth journey was also going to therapy to learn these communication skills so that it wasn't just, hey, my way, I know better. I'm the one who's reading, just listen to what I say. You know, that wasn't gonna work. Uh, we are building a life together. And I think that's something that couples need to remember that if you want to build a life together, then you need to decide what that's going to look like and you need to dream together and you need to be comfortable sharing that. So again, with reflective listening, you are making, I feel statements. Mm -hmm. And the other person, so I feel because I need and you express that, right? I feel excited about the potential. um, I I feel excited about being able to retire early because Mm. my parents worked until they died. I need to create a financial plan so that I can retire early. And then the other person should hear that and should validate that. Mm. Oh, that does sound exciting. Yeah, I could see that the idea of being work optional can excite you. Am Mm. I understanding it correctly? And then the other person can confirm it. And then after validating, they empathize. Yeah, you know, I I can see that because you saw your parents working until they died, that the idea Mm -hmm. of being able to enjoy more of your life sooner is exciting for you. And you validate, you empathize, and sometimes that means that you apologize. Now, that same reflective listening, that using those statements, I feel because I need, and, and then choosing to validate, empathize, that can also be used when there's conflict and there's Mm -hmm. gonna be conflict there's gonna be conflict and around about creating the budget i mean i know like for my husband and i we've had part of what we decided is like what's really important to you what's really important to me right Mm -hmm. luckily we both like eating out so that was like
0: both foodies
1: (laughs) you were both foodies so that like that's like okay we're gonna have money for that luckily we both come from mothers who single mothers and both didn't come for money but there's couples where you know you may one of you may have come for money might get a little bit more financial support from your family and another person who is the financial support for the family right so again i was lucky that my husband and i both come from these similar backgrounds so wanting to help our our parents is similar however i love throwing big mexican parties and although my husband's dominican He's an introvert and he doesn't like having these big old parties. And so that's where, you know, we Mm -hmm. started to have to have conversations and talk about why we wanted it. And so part of what we did was set up, we do joint finances. I don't think every couple needs to do joint finances. Um, Some people might have certain, certain expenses that are joint, may have a joint checking account, joint saving account for certain things, and then keep your separate accounts. Some people do it all together and some people do it completely separate. I'm not somebody who says, like, you need to do it a certain way. I have a combination of both. And part of what my husband and I realized is that we each needed to have money that, hey, you spend it how you want to. I spend it how I want to. You save how you want to. I'll save how I want to. We had common goals and common things that we wanted for our life. But there was also an acceptance of, like, hey, Soledad is going to be spending her monthly money on these big birthday parties. That's Soledad's thing. Mm -hmm. Joel is going to be playing poker. That's whole thing, and just you know, giving each other the space to to do yeah. that. But it, again, it involves a lot of communication, and it at the end of it, a desire to really build wealth juntos.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, I'm curious, why why isn't our community talking about finances more in the household? Why isn't this something that's spoken about more? In your opinion, right? I'm sure you, growing up, it was that wasn't something that was spoken about. A lot of people we've had on the podcast they can say the same exact thing what is it? Just because we're fearful, we're not educated, What? what is it?
1: I think it is, you know, society's expectations, right? In, in mm. society, you're not supposed to talk about money, politics, or sex. And in Latino households, even more, yeah. <laughs> even yeah. more. It's considered disrespectful. It's considered, you know, stepping out of out of reliance and I also think there's systemic things that have impacted us right for some like within you know the Latino community black community um, indigenous communities people of color there have been systemic things that have caused wounds when we look at you know redlining and what certain banks have allowed certain people like get Mm -hmm. these mortgage loans and then they're they have a variable interest and the next thing you know people can't afford like all of that can cause shame and I think in general there's a low capacity Mm -hmm. for shame and embarrassments and guilt. Mm -hmm. And part of, I know a key thing in my wealth building journey is increasing my capacity for shame and guilt and embarrassment. I had to get comfortable with, okay, you know what? I'm going to ask a lot of questions that Mm -hmm. maybe as a 32 year old, yeah. with two kids I should know already mm-hmm. and maybe someone's even going to make fun of me because yeah. of that but I would rather get you know at look silly asking questions and feel that embarrassment mm-hmm. than I would 10 years from now and still not having a retirement plan For and sure. still carrying debt but I had to make that decision mm-hmm. and sometimes you know you don't it's it's easier to dissociate. It's easier to avoid. It's easier to push away anything that's going to make you uncomfortable. And for a lot of us, we feel uncomfortable when there's shame, guilt, and you know, embarrassment around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's funny because you even said that in, in one of your past conversations that you you relate to the game. You got started. Your journey started in 2019, but I look at that as like, man, this is somebody that got the information and she took action and now she's teaching it to people, which is very empowering for people out there to know like, hey, it doesn't take that long, you know what I'm saying, to get into this space and um, really to improve your financial situation. So um, hats off to you for taking action recently and now you're on a roll, right? Now you're teaching people how to do it as well. Um, Going back to you and your husband, I, I know, I think I was reading somewhere, you and your husband, are are on track to retire at the age of 45. A lot of people can't wrap their minds around that or how the heck that's even possible. Can you break down in a couple steps how you guys are planning to do that or how that can be possible for other people listening?
1: Yeah, okay. Well, the first thing everyone needs to understand how to calculate what's called a FIRE number, financial independence retire early number. You take what you expect your annual expenses to be at retirement. you multiply that by 25 so if you let me pull out a calculator yeah (laughs) so if your annual expenses are sixty thousand dollars and you multiply that by 25 in order to retire you're going to need 1.5 million dollars that assumes that you are going to withdraw four percent of your investments every year now It's a general rule, right? I'm somebody who has very concerted, like I like to invest. Not, I don't invest conservatively, but when I prepare Mm -hmm. for early retirement, I'm conservative. So I actually withdraw. I have a plan to withdraw only 3%, not 4% every year. So the idea is like you just invest and you keep investing enough money so that you reach this fire number. For my husband and I, at a 3% withdrawal rate means that we need to... Sorry, let me
0: No, This is good. I hope you guys are taking notes. This is good information right here.
1: 60, 50, We're going to divide that by point three. Okay. So $60,000, if you have a 3% withdrawal rate requires 2 million invested Mm -hmm. again that sixty thousand is how much you expect your annual expenses to be at retirement Mm -hmm. so for my husband and i we're both looking to invest at least two million dollars before we become work optional Mm -hmm. and that can seem really like a lot right because especially my husband who had zero dollars zero dollars when he started to invest for retirement what we do we max out our employer retirement accounts We max out tax advantage accounts first so employer retirement accounts a roth ira and then we start investing in a taxable brokerage account Mm. and in order to do that for us because we're so late in the game we've needed to increase our income a lot i actually know that if i wanted to so for me i need to be investing thirty two thousand five hundred dollars a year Mm. in order to retire early and for us we've done a combination of keeping our expenses low and our income, increasing our income, and then taking that difference and just maxing it out, yeah. maxing out accounts. If I wanted to retire at 40, I would need to be investing $81,000 a year, mm-hmm. right? I'm, th- I'm gonna be 36. So mm-hmm. if I like, that's how much money I would need to be investing. I see that as excitement. I think a lot of people, yeah. if you're listening to this and your first thoughts are, oh, I could never do that. That's, that's already the problem. You Mm -hmm. need to address those thoughts because your thoughts are gonna impact your feelings, your feelings are gonna impact your your actions and your actions are gonna impact your results. Mm. So be mindful of what you tell yourself. For me, when I calculate these numbers, I'm like, oh, I need to invest 81,000. I think, oh, how how much money do I need to make so -hmm. that I can invest $81,000? I see it as a game. And my husband and I I have literally been seeing this as a game, worst case scenario, we both turn 45 and we don't have two million dollars invested we only have 1.5 and we need to work three more years like
0: wow. yeah
1: who cares yeah <laughs> who cares <laughs> no I,
0: I love what i love what you said about you know taking care of your mentals right and getting that right because if you are saying like you said i can't do that you're immediately turning off your brain to figure out figuring out any solutions how to get there but if you're like in your situation where your mind is open to it, wow, this is exciting, how can I do this? What are some ways I can increase my income? Your brain is literally gonna start moving and thinking about and attracting different ways for you to get to that point. So again, it starts with that, those traumas the traumas and the limiting beliefs that we have and really breaking that barrier and open, opening up your mind to receiving new information and figuring out different ways to increase your income. Right, so I love and that, and it I love doesn't happen it,
1: overnight, right? No, like no, I think doesn't. about myself in 2019, who thought, could I even pay off twenty three thousand dollars in debt, and then could I even save thirty thousand? Then I remember the first year I maxed out my Roth IRA, which was six thousand dollars. Can I even do that? Mm-hmm. And then it's like you do it. And you do one and you do another and you do another. And that's how we build confidence, right? That's yeah. how we expand. That's how we evolve. And so the first, you know, this is the first year that I'm working on maxing out my solo 401k since I'm self-employed. And I'm just, I mean, right now it's what it's September and I have invested 16,000. I need about $4,500 more to Mm -hmm. get there by december right in Mm -hmm. order to do that like it's it's looking at the numbers and i'm just getting creative about it but it starts little by little you know so if you're listening to this and it's like financial independence scares you out okay so don't start with financial independence then start with you know paying off a credit card that has a high balance and see like okay what would it take for me to pay off this credit card that has a six thousand dollar balance in the next three months start there Pay off mm-hmm. that credit card in full. And then, okay, what is it gonna take for me to build an emergency fund that covers three months of my expenses? Three months yeah. of my expenses sounds so crazy. Start with one month of expenses. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, what is it gonna take for me to max out my Roth IRA? What would it take for me to max out my employer retirement account? What would it take for me to do both of those things and also contribute to a taxable brokerage account? Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to get excited. You have to believe that it's possible for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe it's possible for you, understand why. What what narratives are stronger in your mind right now? What memories are making you think that it's not possible for you? For me, I had to overcome memories of, you know, I've had to overcome a lot of narratives. A lot of narratives in order for me to build my business. I had a story in my head that, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm not an entrepreneur. Well, Soledad, you're a financial educator. Boom, you can still be a teacher. You know, you you have to Mm -hmm. reframe these things, figure out what are the stories that you're telling yourself? What are the things that come up? that are getting in the way, address that. And then you're going to find yourself like, okay, I can expand more as possible for me.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. Amazing. Uh, I'm curious, what are some of the different ways that you have increased your finances, right? There's people out there, you said, you know, 80, I think the number was $86,000 a year, how can people figure out different ways to increase their finances if they're working at nine to five, right? What are some different ways that you have done it for yourself?
1: Yeah, so my husband and I, again, we have a joint finances. One of the things that really helped us is that I pushed my husband to apply to new jobs. He's in the tech industry. Yeah, he grad- he never graduated from college, right? So mm. he went to MIT, dropped out of MIT and a narrative that he had in his head is, I can't get paid a lot of money because I don't have a college degree. Mm. Although he self-taught himself, learned how to code, he didn't think like he could make more money because of this degree. And I and I had to tell him, like, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, yes you can. can. Like there's people doing boot camps nowadays. Like you just have to believe that you're worth that promotion, that you're worth that raise. And so I was there helping him in terms of like supporting him and pushing him to, to get you know get a raise, to get a promotion, and then to job hop and to leave to a different job and ask for a higher income. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, depending on the industry that you're in, you're going to have to possibly move to a different company so that you can get that salary increase. I also think for people who work in the public sector, it's a good move to try to work for a company that is publicly traded, that's going to provide you with RSU's restricted stock units. Because that's Mm. another way that you can increase your income. You have your salary, and then you're also getting um, stocks. And then Mm. you sell those stocks, and that becomes a house down payment on a multi-unit home and that's that diversifies right the way mm-hmm. so that game. is like that's part of our strategy for me i had to learn to monetize my skills and get out of my head of mm-hmm. what was possible for me i started my own business and the goal is that my business eventually retires my husband but i had to start small in 2020 wealth barra todos made 850 dollars that's mm-hmm. it i had more deductions that i had income in 2021 I uh, made 44,000 in 2022, I'm projected to make 140,000. So it's not like a lot, a lot of money, but look oh, at those jumps.
0: Yeah, and, crazy. you know,
1: and, and I'm grateful that I had my husband where I was like, man, I only made 150 and then man, I only made 44,000. I'm still making less than what I made as, as a teacher, you know, and I'm talking about full revenue, not after mm-hmm. the deductions. And now like I'm finally at six figures, but now I'm at a place that I'm like, dude you've more than doubled your revenue every single year you're tripling it's it's limitless Limitless. but that's because i learned to monetize my skills i -hmm. decided to do the work of understanding what thoughts i had about myself and instead of telling myself oh no i'm I'm just a teacher. I had to say I am a motherfucking financial educator. You know, mm, I am studying to that. become a certified financial, you know, a certified financial planner. I have skills. I can teach people. I know how to connect with people. I can identify what are what are their fears and hold space for those emotions so that those emotions stop impacting their ability to build wealth. And then mm. I just teach them, you know, like when I work one-on-one with my clients, I tell them all the time, like, look, learning to invest learning to max out your retirement that's the easy stuff the hard part is holding space for all these emotions Mm. that are holding you back from reaching your full potential that are again interfering with your ability to even dream that's the hard work
0: Mm. Mm. that's empowering right there man that's that's really good um speaking about your business Can you break down and we can start wrapping this thing up, can you break down what you guys are what you're doing over there what you're creating um, some of the services that you offer if people are interested and they want to reach out, please let us know talk to us about what you got going on over there.
1: Yes, so i'm really excited because for the past two years, I've been working predominantly only one on one with clients. And in 2023, I am launching the Wealth para Todos Academy, which is going to be a membership where you get access to monthly free workshops, not free Mm -hmm. workshops, um, monthly financial literacy workshops, also workshops to address your beliefs, your money beliefs. We're gonna do thought work in those group coaching workshops. It also is accountability for you to know your numbers, for you to check in and budget with a group and check in to see what is your progress towards your debt payoff, your savings, your investing goals, all while making sure you're taking really good care of yourself because the Mm -hmm. basis of any change is really engaging in self-care. And I'm excited to be launching that membership in 2023. I'm looking for 100, only 100, black indigenous people of color, women and LGBTQ folk, I really want to see if I can get those same results in a group setting in this membership as I have mm. with my one on one clients, I have one on one clients who are maxing out Roth IRAs who are paying off 1000s and 1000s of debt. And I'm like, Okay, let's see how we can make this. Yeah, bigger. Expand. What is it going to yeah. take to help more people? I love that I can say that I've helped dozens of people eliminate de- debt and start investing I want to get to the point where I can say I help hundreds
0: of people that's my yeah. goal yeah so we're
1: doing it poco a poco
0: yeah that's a blessing right there I love it make making a huge impact on the community much needed um like I said we can start finishing this thing up wrapping this thing up um one last question I had what are two let's, let's go with two financial books that you would recommend for as an audience to check out um in your opinion
1: okay let me get the titles out because i want to make sure they're completely accurate i would like for people to read finance for the people getting a grip on your finances navigating an unequal system stepping Mm. into your power addressing your beliefs by um, paco de leon Mm -hmm. that's one book and i'd also like to recommend can i say three
0: let do it please do <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> i also want to recommend again ashley feinstein her first book is the book that i said talked about personal finance with carinho mm. she has the second book it's called financial adulting everything you need to know to be a financially confident and conscious adult again mm. she's someone who's addressing all the systemic barriers that impact people's financial security and then my third one is more focused on financial independence and it's called cashing out win the wealth mm. game by walking away by julian and kirsten sanders and this helps a lot more about financial dependence. Mm. Again, I want everyone to know that you can find you can find personal finance books. You can find personal finance information from people who look like you, talk like you, who understand the systemic barriers that impact your financial security, and who also understand like you can build wealth without shame. You can build wealth mm-hmm. with cariño and lots of self-love.
0: Mm. I love that. I love that. And where can people find you at?
1: please follow me on Instagram (laughs) at WealthParaTodos on LinkedIn. I also post content on LinkedIn. I have a weekly newsletter. So if you go to my website, www.WealthParaTodos.com, you can register, subscribe. You can subscribe Mm. to my newsletter and get weekly newsletters that I'm writing. And then I host different workshops and webinars cada vez en cuando, but I I hope that if you're listening and you're like, this is my year, this is the year that I'm really going to start taking action because so much can happen in a little bit of time. It's crazy when you're ready, when you address all those limiting beliefs, when you unpack the narratives that aren't serving you, you can really take a lot of action really quickly. So if that's something that is exciting you, then I hope you also join me in the West at of Todos Academy.
0: Yes, absolutely, and this has been a really empowering conversation. I really appreciate you. We might have to do a part two and get a little dig a little deeper with this, but I really appreciate your time and your energy and your spirit and your knowledge. Um, definitely reach out if you have any questions about this whole conversation. Um, as you guys know, you can reach out to us at Latin Wells on Instagram, and I share this episode with one other person that needs to hear this conversation. And trust me, there's a lot of people in our community that needs to hear this information. And with that being said, it's your boy, Chris. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.